Hello, hello again. Um, hey, just I want, before we kind of get into what I want to talk about tonight, which is the phrase in the creed. We're doing the Apostles' Creed this semester. We're calling our series Don't Stop Believing. Um, the creed is a guide to the Christian life and faith. And we're going to look at creator of heaven and earth tonight. But before we do that, I want to do kind of two quick things to remind us why, why we're doing what we're doing. Um, why are we taking a semester and kind of going line by line through the creed, which we've said is a beautiful summation, a succinct summary, but just a beautifully distilled, what is it that we, what is it that we are anchoring our hopes in? What is our story? What is, as a Christian, what is, if you belong to Jesus, what is your, what is my identity? Two things. One is a poem that was really beautiful and moving. I think it'll make sense to you. I'm not going to comment on it. And the second is something that happened this week. We're going to start with the poem. It's by a guy named Christian Wyman. If you know Christian Wyman, he wrote a beautiful, kind of like a memoir about his struggle with cancer. But he's got this poem, and it's simply called, All My Friends Are Finding New Beliefs. Here's how it goes. All my friends are finding new beliefs. This one converts to Catholicism and this one to trees. In a highly literary and hitherto religiously indifferent Jew, God wants on like a genetic generator. Paleo, keto, zone, South Beach, bourbon. Exercise regimen so extreme she merges with machine. One man marries a woman 20 years younger and twice in one brunch uses the word verdant. Another's brick-fisted belligerence gentles into dementia and one after a decade of Finical faints and teases like a sandpiper at the edge of the sea decides to die. Priesthoods and beasthoods, sombers and glees, high-styled renunciations and avocations of dirt, sobrieties, satieties, that was butchered that one, pilgrimages to the very bowels of being. All my friends are finding new beliefs, and I am finding it harder and harder to keep track of the new God's and the new loves, and the old gods, and the old loves, and the days have daggers, and the mirrors motives, and the planets turning faster and faster in the blackness, and my nights, and my doubts, and my friends, my beautiful, credible friends. I don't know if you feel that, if you feel like this is what we're talking about. What what are the guardrails around what it is that we believe as Christians? I feel that. The second is this. I don't know if you followed the Met Gala. This was one of the most fun weeks of Twitter that I've had in a while, just watching all the pictures from the Met Gala. If you've not followed it, there is a crazy um, kind of the thing that took over the gala was AOC and her dress that simply said on the back, tax the rich. I don't know if you saw the Cara Delevingne one. I don't remember what it said, but the memes that came out of it were just amazing. Um, I don't know if you saw the one where it was like the Chick-fil-A bag with, with uh, AOC. That one was amazing. My favorite of all of them was <laughs> someone tweeted the Cara Delevingne one. This is one of those uh, one of those things that says I'm, uh, this Disney mom runs on coffee and magic. That was my absolute favorite. But the idea that what really stood out to me while I'm saying this is we back to the point we've kept making. We are living in a culture that longs to perform our identity. We just do it all the time. We talked about the yard signs, and that was really clear at the gala. I mean, we we are performing our identity. Why we're doing the creed is to say to belong to Jesus is to have an identity that was actually performed for you. In any performance, certainly there are parts of the creed we're going to talk about as we get later. What does it mean that we believe in God as our Father? What does it mean that we believe in the communion of saints? What does it believe? What does it mean that we believe in the forgiveness of sins? We have. We have things to do, but we do it all 
resting in the posture of what Jesus has done for us. Um, what I want to do tonight, we're going to look at what does it mean that God is creator, Father is creator of heaven and earth. I want to look at John chapter 1. This is going to be our passage. I'm going to read our passage, and I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll dive in. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Here's what John writes. It's on your handout if you want to follow along there. Or your phone is great. Or your physical Bible works too. Or you can just listen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let me pray for us, and I just want to dive into talking about this tonight. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you that you are both um, our maker. We are fearfully and beautifully and wonderfully made in your image. We have great value to you, uh, great great worth to you. Um, We are precious in your sight. I pray that you would impress that in our hearts tonight. And Lord, you are also our redeemer. You are the one, Lord Jesus, who came into this world the word who is with God made flesh for us. And you know our pain. You know our tears. You know our joys and our laughters and our hopes and our desires. And Lord, you are both with us and for us. Lord, I pray that um, however it is that we come tonight, whether we come and, and we believe in you and we are glad to be here, or whether it is we, we don't know why we're here and we're not sure we believe in you, We're not sure what we think about Christianity. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you that, as Paul says, in you we live and move and have our being. And Lord, I pray that tonight, um, whether we come full of um, encouragement and full of faith, or whether we come more skeptical, uh, more questioning, you are the one who meets us just where we are. So would you do that in our midst tonight? We pray these things for Christ in your name. Amen. I want to kind of start here to frame what I want to do. So we're thinking about what does it mean that God is creator of heaven and earth? And it's just a question. Have you ever met someone like an author or an actor or a director or like someone from your favorite band? Someone whose art you really appreciate, but then you actually got to meet the artist. This happened for me. um, This would have been last spring. I got to preach for my friend Soren in Savannah and Harrison Scott Key, who's just an author, if you know him, uh, that I just am very jealous of. He's just a really talented, funny guy. And I got to hang out with him for a night. And it was one of those things where I've met, uh, like I have a a Bill Murray story that you've heard me tell that was not so great, where I was like a fan to not a fan at all. Um, And this was the opposite. This was like, really enjoy his art. But then I got to meet the artist and like be with him and see like he's I see why his art is so incredible. That's part of what I want to think about tonight is what does it mean that God is your creator? What does it mean that he's the creator of heaven and earth? And certainly part of what it means is if you enjoy, are an enjoyment of the world that we live in, this world, whatever, however it is that you enjoyed it, whether you're an avid outdoorsman or the way I like to describe myself, an avid indoorsman, like we enjoy the beauty of this world all the time. Sometimes we take it for granted. But what I want to think about tonight is what does it mean? What, is, what, what happens 
when we reflect on gay zone, meet the artist behind it all. And I think when we really take God as creator seriously, three things happen for us. Three things happen at least. Here they are. Uh, God becomes bigger. The world becomes better. And you become more beautiful. Uh, God becomes bigger than you think he is. This world uh, becomes better than you thought it was. And you become more beautiful than even in this moment you think you are. That's what we're going to do tonight. So let's start with God becomes bigger. I just want to land on that one phrase from John 1 where it says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All things. Everything we enjoy. Um, like last night we had dinner at the Reds. Uh, we're going to invite each squad one by one. And when we're through the squads, if you're not in a squad, you're still welcome to dinner at our house. And, and I made my favorite meal to make, which is these husk cheeseburgers. And I, I wish I had prayed. I didn't pray this, but I wish I had prayed. God, thank you for cheeseburgers because they're amazing. And there's so much in this world. All things were made through him. And here's the question that I've been asking myself. How many of my problems stem from, or at least have roots in, that my view of God is so small? Like, I've been asking myself this today. Would I be so cynical if my view of God wasn't so small? If I saw him in, in the vastness of his beauty, which we are daily, it's around us. It's around us even in the rain. What would it look like for me to begin to have a bigger view of God? How would that change things? I love the way the Westminster Confession, if you're, if you're a Presbyterian nerd, you're, this is your place. Uh, here's the way they say it. It's beautiful. It's on your handout. Here's the way that they try to get at it. They say like this, God has all life, glory, goodness, blessedness in and of himself and is alone in and unto himself, all sufficient, not standing in need of any creatures which he has made nor deriving any glory from them, but only manifesting his own glory in, by, and to, and upon them. He is the alone fountain of all being of whom, through whom, and to whom are all things. And has most sovereign dominion over them, to do by them, for them, or upon them whatsoever himself pleases. In his sight all things are open and manifest. His knowledge is infinite, infallible, and independent upon the creature, so as nothing is to him contingent or uncertain. He is most holy in all his counsels, and all his works, and all service or obedience. No, in all, all his commands. To him is due from angels and men and every other creature whatsoever worship, service, or obedience he is pleased to require of them. It's the end of Job. You know the darkest book of the Bible. Job has undergone tremendous suffering. And if you know that scene where God graciously invites Job in a conversation with him, he always is. Whatever is happening in our lives, even in those places where we're mad at him, even in those places where we don't understand him, even in those places where we're not sure we believe in him, he's inviting us into conversation. And that conversation Job has with him, he, he says that beautiful, strange line where he says, Job, were you here when I set the boundaries of land and sea. Were you here when I, he didn't say it this way, but we could, were you here when I made the eagle? Were you here when I made the trees? Um, all right, so my favorite movie theater in Columbia is the Nickelodeon. And uh, when I first moved here, the Nick used to be right by IMAX. So if you've been to IMAX, where the Hibachi place is now, that's where the knit used to be, and it was this disgusting small theater. It was like chairs were, there, there would be rows where like chairs were just removed physically from the rows because it was just a, a falling down theater. But what was amazing is back then, and this is still true if you've ever been to the neck. you ever been to the neck? Raise your hand if you've been to the neck. 
just just a few. All right, okay. Some of you, I highly recommend it. It's a wonderful movie experience if you're a movie person. Um, so I'm going with my friend Jay to see Tree of Life. If you're a Terrence Malick fan, Tree of Life is, I think, arguably his best film. I was very excited. But the way the old school Nick used to run is you could bring whatever food or drink you wanted to. <laughs> so we show up. We're late to the movie. We get, like, some of the last tickets. And we're walking in. We're sitting on the very front row, like, where we're looking, which actually made the experience beautiful because that, that film felt very trippy because we literally watched it like this the whole time. But what almost ruined it was this, this guy. This is still amazing to me. He came in right ahead of us carrying just this giant pizza. And so, like, I mean, like, I'm talking like an extra large pizza, which respect, right? God just knew what, he, knew what he was getting into. He was going to enjoy himself a large pizza, extra large pizza, and watch some Terrence Malick. But the, but, the, but the thing is, you can imagine this small theater just almost ruined the experience because I kept, I mean, you could hear him eating in the back. It just smelled up the whole theater. And it, what I was thinking about today, I was thinking about how here's this masterpiece of a film that really is about creation in so many ways. Um, and here's this guy just in the back feeling like he's not honoring the holy ground. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what your movie etiquette is. Clay and I were just talking about this where, you know, some people just don't honor films these days. This is my 41 that's coming out. People just don't honor films these days like they used to. But homeboy in the back with the pizza, just chomping. Here we are, like, watching the film. And I think so much of the time, we're, we're the guy with the pizza. We don't realize the beautiful holy ground of God's creation that is inviting us daily to a, a big view of who he is and his glory. Uh, as Harry Potter, my goal is to work in Harry Potter illustration and every time this semester, we're four for four. Uh, Harry Potter, one of my, you've heard me say it before, it's one of my favorite scenes. It's where Dobby meets Harry for the first time. You remember what he says? It's a beautiful line. He's Dobby, just the best character. It's the most Christ-like, can we say? He gave his life. Did Harry Potter give his life? No. Uh, Dobby did. Um, but when Dobby meets Harry for the first time and he says, Dobby has heard of your greatness, but of your goodness, Dobby never knew. And sometimes it's the reverse for us. Sometimes it is that. Especially if you grew up PCA. Can we just say that? You might know of God's greatness, his sovereignty, but do you know his goodness? But sometimes it's the opposite. You've heard, maybe if you grew up, I'm not going to name any other denominations. I'll name my own. But you've heard a lot of his goodness, but do you know his greatness? Creation is inviting, inviting you into a huge view of God is much bigger than you think he is in beautiful ways. So first, God is bigger. Second, the second thing that happens is the world becomes better than we think it is. Um, this is Jesus. This is John saying in John 1, again, that all things, all things were made through him. And his light and life are in all of them. This world reflects all, in all kinds of way, ways the beauty and the glory of Jesus. And therefore, this world made by God is beautiful. It is better than you think. Um, to know God as creator, I mean, just go back to Genesis 1 and read the refrain. I mean, it's like a beautiful, it's almost like a Coldplay song. It's like the, the, the refrain is God made it and it was good and it was good and it was good. The only thing that wasn't good was when Adam was alone. There is so much goodness for us to enjoy. To know God as creator is to enjoy all of that goodness that this world that he made has for us. I love the way that Tim Keller says it. This is, here's, here's like, another way to say this is we have, a distinctly, uh, we have a distinct view of the world as Christians. And here's how Keller tries to drive at it. He says, on the one hand, 
Number one, that it's real as opposed to pantheism. In other words, we're not living in the matrix, although the new trailer looks amazing. But your joy and your suffering is not illusion. It's real. It happened. There's no gaslighting out of the realness of what you've experienced, both good and bad. Two, the world is good as opposed to legalism. Uh, I grew up not in a legalistic family, but in a bit of a legalistic youth group. I've told you the stories of having my matching WWJD bracelets. I had one to match every outfit. I had a Bible that I intentionally wanted to look really just torn up because I was really on fire for Jesus. Um, I was saying, I thought to be a Christian meant, and this is not, we can talk about this, but I thought what it meant to be a Christian is you don't smoke, you don't cuss, uh, you don't have sex, you don't drink, uh, and you don't watch. Like my favorite, I'm just thinking of this. One of my favorite youth group on fire for Jesus, Sammy Moments, was we, uh, some friends and I went to see Austin Powers, and we were so offended by the sexual jokes, we stood up and left the movie. Um, just, but it was, it was not because, it was not about Jesus, right? It was because we wanted our non-Christian friends to see us walk out of the movie. I, hope, I don't know if that makes sense to you. That's what we did. But I think there's a way of growing up, especially if you grew up legalistic, where it's like playing Mr. Jump. My kids love Mr. Jump still. I don't know if that's a game for y'all anymore. But it's like to be a Christian means you have to jump over and avoid the world. You just kind of are jumping over the right things you're not supposed to. And can I just say to invite, to know Jesus as your creator is, of course, your, your relationship with Jesus changes the way you enjoy everything. But there's also many, many things you're invited to enjoy with him. In other words, the goal isn't to avoid the world, but to enjoy it all with an eye to glorifying God. So first, real as opposed to pantheism. Two, good as opposed to legalism. Three, designed as opposed to secularism. In other words, you're made by God for God, which means your suffering has purpose, even if yet unknown to you, and that your life means a whole lot to him. And then four, it's finite as opposed to paganism. In other words... To be a Christian in this world, we do have a place where we know this world in and of itself can't ultimately fulfill us. It can't ultimately heal us. It can't ultimately give us what everything that we need because we were made. Can, we, can I quote Switchfoot? Back to the old youth group days. We were made for something more. Is that a Switchfoot song? I think it is. Y'all are too young for Switchfoot? That's cool. That was a millennial joke. Just let it fly on by. Um, I like the way Elizabeth Elliot says it. She says it like this. Clams glorify God better than you and me because a clam is being exactly what it's supposed to be. But you're not, and I'm not. Humble yourself before the clam because they're worshiping God far better than you are. This is going to sound weird. I was at Star- the new Starbucks in Forest and I had this beautiful, I'm going to try to describe it. And it's a th- if it's a throwaway, it's a throwaway. But I was like watching just out of the window and there was this little, this little cat that reminded me. We had a beautiful cat named Kitty. She tragically, traumatically died in front of my, in front, in front of Jane Mack, and then we buried her in the kids' T-shirts in the side yard because we didn't want our dog Teddy to, to uh, dig her up from the backyard. So I'm watching this cat that reminds me of Kitty. And then all of a sudden, I'm just going to try this. All of a sudden, this other little cat friend came along, and they were just like playing together. I mean, these were like, had to be homeless. Maybe not homeless cats. Cats are weird. Maybe they were just tired of their families and needed some alone time. I don't know. But these cats were just like nuzzling. Is that the right word? Just frolicking together. And I was like, I think these cats know Jesus better than me. The freedom. We're going to talk about that in a second. The joy. 
the enjoyment. Um, here's another way to say it. To really know God as creator means you can stop being so dang spiritual all the time. It's the way that I like the way John Acuff talks about the Jesus juke, where it's like we're trying to catch each other being not spiritual enough all the time and somehow work Jesus into it or shame Jesus into the conversation. I love the way that G.K. Chesterton, you saw your hand, I love the way he says it. You've heard me say this before. He says, you say grace before meals, all right, but I say grace before the concert and the opera and grace before the play and pantomime. I love British people. And grace before I open a book and grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing, spike balling, beach volleyballing, if that's your thing, uh, running, if that's your thing, uh, and grace before I dip, dip in the ink. Uh, we talked about in freshman group, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is go for a walk or a jog. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is eat 20 McNugs. Uh, sometimes it's go to Waffle House with friends. In other words, it's inviting us into the freedom of enjoying this world that God has made, while also... Well, also, we are constrained by the love of Jesus because we know in that last point, this world, there is more than this world. Uh, I'll, I'll share this. So my first, when I was becoming reformed, we could talk about If you don't know what that means, I'm glad you're here. We could talk about it. But when I was becoming reformed, I went to RTF Charlotte in Charlotte. And I'll vividly, there was a guy, Harris Bond is his name. He's a pastor in uh, Mississippi, somewhere, maybe Alabama. Love him. We need to catch up. But... Harris was my first introduction to a guy who was, like, formed by RUF. He went to RUF at Auburn. Shout out to Clay. And I'd never met someone, <laughs> War Eagle, I'd never met someone who was just not overly spiritual. Like, he just really enjoyed life. And, like, my first, my first encounter, we were roommates for a semester before I got married. And my first encounter is, like, we had a, a friend who was from California somewhere. He wanted to do a Halloween party, but he wanted to bring a worship band. And Harris is like, no, we're not having a worship band at a Halloween party. We're going to just have fun and, like, getting costumes and eat good food. And I was like, huh. But I remember going to get wings with Harris one night, and I'll just never forget his prayer. Like, here I am. Here's little just out of trying to get out of legalism, Sammy. I'm eating wings with these guys that in this tradition I don't know. And his simple prayer was, God, <laughs> I just, I was, the simple prayer was, God, I thank you for wings. And he had a real southern, so like, God, I thank you for wings. And I was like, okay. But it was beautiful because he was tapping into what we're talking about. So God becomes bigger. The world becomes better. And the last thing I want you to see, and we're going to do it quickly, uh, you become more beautiful. Uh, The God who made this vast, beautiful, holy world stepped into it as it spiraled away from him because because you you and me were beautiful to him. He wanted us. Um, Our creator is our redeemer. And our redeemer is our creator. It's Psalm 139. I love the way that the message, we, we know it as you were fearfully and wonderfully made. It feels like we only use that when we're talking about abortion, which is important. But we fail to apply it to ourselves. That I, I am and you are fearfully, beautifully and wonderfully made. I like the way that Eugene Peterson says it in the message. He says, I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking Body and soul, I am marvelously made. Here's the deal, and I want to kind of land the plane with this. We long to feel beautiful. 
we, we just do. It doesn't matter, guy, guy, man, woman, guy, girl. We, we long to feel beautiful. And here's how we do it. We starve ourselves. We hit the gym daily. We scour the sales section of J. Crew for the perfect shirt, jeans, shirt or jeans or jacket. That, that was just for me. We start a grooming routine, a makeup routine. We get influenced and we change it entirely. Uh, we flirt. We slip into the DMs. We stand by the bar and put out the vibe, dumb and dumber style. We work on our selfie game. We drink just enough to feel fun, but it's not working. If you're honest with yourself, if I'm honest with myself, it's not working. Um, I, I, a couple years ago, I was trying to get fit, which <laughs> that's a whole other story. But I signed up for Orange Theory. If you know Orange Theory, Orange Theory it's like less intense than CrossFit, but kind of CrossFit-ish. And to sign up, I was like one of the founding members uh, in the Northeast location, and you had to write on a, ch- on a chalkboard, why do you want to join Orange Theory? And I was like, I don't know. I just want to like look better. You know, I kind of didn't know what to say. I think if I could go back, I would write, I want to feel beautiful. And you want to feel beautiful. Um, but here's what happened. Uh, my friend, he has, a, he, had a do- he has a daughter. And I love the story that he tells. He said when his daughter was about five or six, she was in princess phase. And so she loved to wear the princess dresses, the frozen dresses, all the time. And there was this one night where she was in princess phase. She was in her you know, Elsa dress. But she got really sick. She got a stomach bug. And she sadly threw up all over her dress, her princess dress. And so he said, you know, he swooped in and helped get her into the bath and clean her up. And he said, what she said on was broken. She said over tears, she's in the bath. He's cleaning her up. And she's crying. And she said simply, Daddy, I don't feel like a princess anymore. That's us. I had that moment today. Here I am again, failing. I don't feel beautiful. But the message for us tonight is that you are beautiful to God. So beautiful that he sent his son for you. So beautiful that his work on your behalf is to win you to himself forever. Um, Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the good news of the gospel. I pray that you would deeply, not just, um, would you anchor us in it? Would you change us? You know the places that we, we don't feel beautiful right now. Would you meet us in those places? Lord, we thank you that you are the God who takes away our shame. That if we are in Christ, there is no condemnation for us. Would you help us believe that? Lord, we thank you for this chance to be together. Would you work in us, in our friendships? Would you work in us by your spirit, even as we leave this place? We pray, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing. Yep, closing song.